everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of Popcorn Hangover. I'm John. And I'm Anna. And today we are going to be doing our September movie roundup. Though I guess technically two of the movies are October movies, but we're just going to brush that to the side. So today our two main movies we're going to do, sorry, they're superhero movies. We're doing... No, I didn't see Dear Evan Hansen in October. You didn't? No, I saw it in September. Okay, never mind. That is a September Mm -hmm. movie. So just one October movie. But we did see it in September, so it counts. But today our two main movies are Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Two very lengthy movie titles that I, ironically, or not ironically, funnily, when I was looking up Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I typed in Venmo, Let There Be Carnage, and yeah, I wish that there was results for that, but there wasn't, so. Anyway, <laughs> we're doing two more superhero movies, but Anna is going to give her thoughts on Dear Evan Hansen. I did not get the chance to see it. I debated going by myself to see it, but I probably won't see it until it comes to a streaming service, so. But before we get into those things, um, I don't think there's anything that we've been watching. We're behind on Ted Lasso and What If. Those both finished. We've had their a very seasons. personally busy September and beginning of October. I don't know if I'll ever get on this podcast again and say that I'm not busy. I don't know. Maybe it'll get a little better. Yeah. Starting a new job. Yeah. And yeah, we've just been really busy. <laughs> so yeah, starting a new job, have a lot of work things, family things, friends things, so we are not, we will, but in October and November, we have a lot of things to watch. Yeah, the day we're recording, the tickets for Eternals just went on sale today. We still have to get our Dune tickets. There's just so many movies coming out right now. We haven't seen- It's gonna be a marathon. Oh, Bond is out. We we, still haven't seen Bond. And, like, it's getting really good reviews. People are saying that it's, like, probably the second best craig bond movie and i'm like uh, what are they saying is the best though I need to i've know. seen people say either casino royale casino royale is the best yeah but they're saying that it's not like was specter the really bad one that was awful i can't yes, remember was specter, yeah. i i can't remember the the bond movies all blend together at some point in my mind especially because they brought back uh the other villain who's like the secondary villain in this movie i don't know but long story short there's a lot of stuff coming out We are trying to figure out what we want to go, or when we are going to make it to the theater. So, that's super fun. So, for today, you get two superhero movies, but we should have a little bit of a break from superhero movies, which is nice. Um, One trailer I did want to talk about, Anna sent it to me. I did not know they were making this, but I'm super excited for, and Anna super excited for, but Tick, Tick, Boom looks incredible. I love Andrew Garfield, so I'm really excited for him to be, and I'm just like in a musical mood because of Dear Heaven Hansen, and that's coming out, and there's a lot of good Netflix movies like yeah. on the horizon, which is really cool. I feel like I haven't been paying attention enough to movies that are coming out on streaming. So Yeah. They released a teaser, actually, for one of the first movies we talked about on this podcast, a Netflix thing, and it was like uh, for Extraction 2, and they just <laughs> did the hashtag Rake Lives, and I'm like... I could not have guessed in a million years that man's last name was Rake, even though I know we talked about it when it came out. But Netflix does have some stuff in the pipes. Some other weird things are coming out. I feel like this is the best place to talk about it. They're rebooting. They're trying again for the second time to make that 70s show work in another decade. It's just stupid. It's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, like, I love Red and Kitty, and I'm glad that they're coming back and those two actors, like, that actor and actress are getting, you know, a chance to get the bag again but like i think it's gonna suck 
I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't. I know some people liked Fuller House, yeah. but it's weird. These we're getting to this weird nostalgia revival thing that I don't like. No, yeah, I mean it's the same thing. Like when they made Girl Meets World, I like tried to watch the first episode, and I was like, well, it's just not Boy Meets World. Like, and yeah. I know people said it wasn't bad, but like also, it's just. Let's just keep the things that were good when they were good. Let's not, like, we always have to, like, reboot and revive things. It's just... We're doing that with movies, too. I mean, I know, like, Ghostbusters looks good and, like, it'll be really cool to have another Matrix movie. But, again, it's like we're just keep rebooting things that, like, were really... That everyone, like, is nostalgic for from the 80s and the 90s. But it's like, okay, we get it. Or Halloween. So... You know, actually, I'm glad you brought up Halloween, because that is another movie that we will sneak in after we like the last one. I think that they actually, the current Halloween movies are, like, pretty decent. But, yeah, I'm, I don't know. This nostalgia capitalization is weird, but it'll always be a thing. And in 20 years, they'll be making stuff from the early 2000s and to 2010s. Like, it's just the way that media works. Yeah. Um. Actually, one last thing before we talk about the movies. I did want to talk a couple trailer things just from when we saw movies because we've seen something on the big screen i'm going to contradict what you said a little bit just now like i think ghostbusters looks really no, no, good i said it lo- i said it, oh, although sorry. it looks good we just continue it's that's another example like gotcha. it's just not saying these things aren't going to be good but there's going to be some good ones and there's gonna be some really bad ones you know what's weird though with aka this, like space jam which we still haven't seen but and i don't want to see that movie yeah. i'm like good on that um i would say too though like one interesting thing i've noticed so that Ghostbuster, that's the first time we've ever seen that trailer in theaters. And we go to movies fairly regularly. Like, I feel like they're not marketing that movie no, they, that much. They showed it to Dear Evan Hansen one, too. Like, okay. it, it's been playing. Okay, well, then maybe we just have gone to stuff that hasn't been marketing for it. I don't know. Sony, that's another Sony property. I don't understand Sony as a company, so whatever. Okay, let's get into actual movies and not just random stuff. Um, Both... Marvel properties, kind of, um, but we're going to start with Shang-Chi, which is arguably, well, not arguably, it is a much better movie of the two movies we're going to talk about. (laughs) It is something that I personally am just ecstatic that it ended up being as good as it was. There was a little bit of a fear that it, because sometimes martial arts movies, like big budget ones, don't work, but this was an incredible movie. We saw it, like, basically a month ago from the time we're talking about it. So we might not remember certain plot details like in depth, but the overall impressions are still there. It's coming to Disney Plus if you haven't seen it already, um, early November, and it won't be an extra charge. So if you're on the fence and you don't want to go to a theater, you'll be able to see it in a few weeks. But I would recommend seeing it in a theater because there's some really cool stuff. Um, But let's do the synopsis, which is pulled up here. So Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings centers around martial arts master arts master Shang-Chi confronting the past he thought he left behind when he's drawn back into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization run by his father, the Mandarin, or Wenwu. The cast is a very notable cast, maybe not to Western audiences, but in terms of um, Asian actors and actresses, this is like an all-star cast. It is huge. Um, it stars, and my apologies for pronunciations, it stars Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, Tony Leung as Wen Wu, Fala Chen as Leiko Wu, who is Shang-Chi's sister, Aquafina as Katie, and Ben Kingsley returning as Trevor Slattery. It's directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, 
Um, so far, it's grossed $401 million worldwide on a budget somewhere between $150 and $200 million. It has been well-received by critics and audiences with a 92 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 98 audience score. Um, this movie has... People love it. It's the fourth highest grossing movie of the year. That'll inch up. It'll probably be in theaters for a while longer because movies have been getting extended stays. But it's been a really well-received movie critically and financially in the COVID box office era. So it has been a smashing success for Marvel. Much better received than Black Widow, I might add. Like, people think that this is a great movie. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot. We've already, like, went into detail about the things that were wrong with Black Widow. I think... But, like, this is actually an origin story. This yes. is about Shang-Chi. Like, this is about Shang-Chi. Like, it is very truly, it's a really good origin story, in my opinion. I think they did such a good job of getting to the action. Like, there, what some of the problems that people have stated about Marvel origin stories is that it takes too long to get to the mm-hmm. action or that it's too slow and you're having too much background. Um Whereas I feel like this movie, like, it gets, you know, it's not, I don't think they rush any of the story, which is great, but they weave it in to all the action. So it's like you're getting the background about the Ten Rings and their family and the family dynamic in the midst of all this martial arts. So it's really cool. Yeah, I think that one thing this movie that's so interesting about it is the Ten Rings have been around in Marvel since literally the first movie. They were the organization that kidnapped Tony Stark. And this movie does such a good job of, like, reminding audiences, like, hey, this isn't a fully new thing, but they also use this movie to, like, retcon some things that didn't work in previous movies. I mean, the biggest winner in this, besides, like, the actual cast and this story, is Iron Man 3. They, like, redeemed Iron Man 3 as a movie, and I, I was shocked how much Trevor Slattery was in this movie. That was, he was, like, one of the best parts of this movie. Him and Morris. Yeah. The character that I do not know, but it is an actual creature from, like, uh, it might be Chinese mythology. It's an East Asian mythological creature. Like, it's a real thing. They did not make that up. Yeah. But he is, like, so likable in this movie (laughs) after he was one of the things that made people furious about Iron Man 3 and... Well, I think, too, like, well, the problem with Iron Man 3 is that they took themselves way too seriously. Yeah. And then I think the, what's what Marvel does well now, what they've learned, you know, the formula is to, it's, yes, serious issues, serious problems, but also we can laugh at ourselves and yeah. be funny and, like, have a little humor. And, like, he brought the best humor. And he's a funny guy in general. So having him be, like, super serious, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that, that didn't. But... You know, the other two kind of cameos I want to touch on that they do and is cool for the future of the MCU, they bring Wong in. He's not really in the movie that much. He's in one scene in the post credit scene. And then they also bring back Abomination from The Incredible Hulk, which was like, they Marvel doesn't acknowledge that movie exists. So the fact that they brought him in, they call him by his name, Emil Blonsky, and like, I don't know, it's just cool. I, I like how they did this, but they let this movie kind of stand on its own, too, which was really nice because of how much interwoven Marvel stuff was in yeah. it. Um, a big thing I want to talk about before, like, the story itself, this might have the best-looking fight sequences of a Marvel movie. I forget the man's name who was, like, the choreographer for the stunts on this, but I know he worked with a lot of popular, like, 
Bruce Lee movies back in the day. This is a fantastic martial arts movie first, and a superhero movie second. Yeah. I think that, like, some of the- Well, because it doesn't, like, he doesn't even feel like a typical- Like, not saying that he isn't is a superhero, but, like, because of the martial arts and, like, how cool it is, it, like, I just kind of kept forgetting- I mean, in yeah. that, and to me, that's in a good way, I just kept forgetting, kind of, that I was watching a Marvel movie. Yeah. Like, that it was really connected to this in, in the best way possible, that it just was a little- it felt like it still had its marble touch, but there was, like, a lot of uniqueness to it. Yeah. It definitely felt more... This is gonna be, like, a weird comparison. Like, Ant-Man Marvel instead of, like, Iron Man Marvel. Where it's a story that, yeah, connects to other things, but if this was just a movie on its own, it'd be a good movie. Yeah, that's why I, I truly, yeah, I agree. And I think that's because they really don't have that many connections to Marvel just yet, except for obviously the post credit scene. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're obviously going to say that Shang-Chi and, and now Katie are, are going to be involved and going to be heroes in this. And like, I think, okay. And also like, I will love anything that Aquafina does is in voices. I don't care. Like Aquafina is a treasure. The obsessed f- with her. The fact that she was in two major movies within six months of each other that heavily featured dragons. And, the, and what's so, what was mind-blowing to me. And I don't know about mind-blowing, it was so cool that, like, the dragons have, like, the same powers. Yeah, and that might, I mean, granted, we don't, we haven't researched this, but that might just be no, how... It, no, it's, like, actually, like, they're, like, they're paying, like, they said, like, yeah. Ryan the Last Dragon was, like, to pay homage, like, to true, like, uh, Asian culture with dragons. And, like, this is very, they and they tried to do the same thing here. They were trying to be very intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because the comic has, like, been racist in the past. Yeah. For those who don't know, sorry to cut you off, the whole, like, the early run of Shang-Chi and the Mandarin and stuff is, like, highly offensive stuff. Yeah. It is legitimately, their creators have said after the fact, for like, we should not have made that stuff. It was extremely racist. It It's not good. And basically, Shang-Chi is not really used modernly because of that. Yeah. So, like, I think, I mean, that, so it's awesome. But it was just, like, so funny because she's, yeah, involved in this thing with these dragons that have, like, the same powers. <laughs> I mean, the, we're all over the place. But, like, when you first see the dragon in this movie, that thing looks so cool. It's so cool. I mean, th- they do, literally the entire last like 45 minutes of the movie doesn't even take place on earth i was reading about this that like land they go to is like another dimension that's not earth like it they do they do stuff in this that is like bigger than anyone realizes on the surface that it like has huge implications for marvel like that there's just these other realms with like these mystical creatures that just you can just walk into at any point. I th- there's so much stuff here. It's yeah. so cool. It's it's mesmerizing. I think like yeah, the fight, the end like scene, fight scene is like so hilarious. Yeah, sorry, it's so good. It's also so funny. It's also so there's so much. It's everything. There's like there's yeah. there's humor. There's like emotion. There is like really good action. There's like mythical things happening. It's like. So great. I love it so much. I think, well, like, I think the biggest thing that I really liked, um, Marvel is really banking on grief. Grief is like the thing they, oh, yeah. I, they love to, to focus on right now. I mean, I think it's been so good. They've showed it in so many different ways and how grief can take hold of you. Mm-hmm. And like the grief that this family has, each of them have experienced in the, 
trauma that each of them experienced because of the death of their mother. You know? Yeah. Like, Shang-Chi just ran away from his problems and didn't, wa- and didn't want to deal with it and just kind of went into, like, an internal, just, like, took it internally. Yeah. His dad went and went back to his old ways, became consumed by grief into anger. And then also then his sister just felt like she was alone. And now she felt like then she felt like she had to just take care of herself. And now yeah. that's what she continues to do. And it's like such, and the, the culmination of it in the end, when like he realizes when his father realizes that he's been neglecting his children and not and not and like that he did something so wrong. It was so great. I do wish they could have explained some things a little more. I think that was my only, like, I don't know. I just feel like there was a little bit of, like, I felt like I was a little rushed into the, like, mythical part. Like you said, like, I didn't realize what was going on there. And, like, some of the dynamics between, like, how his mother and his father, like, end up loving each other. And, like, I feel like I wanted more of, like, what their love story was. I, I mean, just as a whole, relating to his mother, like, I know that her people got power from the dragon but like i also didn't fully understand what they could do like they kind of were like airbenders from avatar but also like they weren't and i was very i needed i needed someone very cool but like i need a little more i needed someone to come on screen and look at me in the eyes and say these people can do this because they left a lot of things up for interpretation and maybe that's the Maybe they're trying to do that. Maybe it's supposed to be like, yeah. you know, this mysterious mythical thing and, and that's totally fine. I just felt like in the end, like his dad and him had like this, um, like the Mandarin and Chang-Chi had um, this amazing fight. And the we were, the like, one where the rings were changing colors yes, based on who had yes, it. Oh, that was where so like cool. literally Shang-Chi like takes the rings from him and like that was the coolest thing ever. And then like his father is like literally cons- like then, you know, dies because of the giant scary thing. Um, that, that monster was horrific. Horrific. But, like, I felt like his dad, like, got, he got the, he got a redemption. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, enough of a redemption I wanted. Because I felt like they were just, like, leading up to this, like, bigger redemption. But, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I don't know. I think that, I think that his dad got the proper amount of redemption. Because he was a really bad guy. Like, he was a horrible guy. He, he also lived for thousands and thousands of years. Pillaged, like... I mean, he, he, he toppled countless societies, killed innocent people just because he could. I mean, I think something really poignant that I wish they would have, like, harped on a little bit more. But, like, he loved their mom so much that he gave up immortality. Yeah. He took off the rings to give him, to make himself mortal so he could live with the one true person that he, like, loved. But that's the thing, is, like, that's what I wanted, like, more of, like, that. Yeah. I mean, and they did a good job. Like, they were subtle with a lot of things. Yeah, and I think, like, I just, the monster wasn't, like, and the monster, like, they kind of explained it, yeah, like, as, like, it, it wants power, and it takes, like, what you want the most, and, yeah. like, becomes that, and, like, I got that, but I felt like the, it was, like, he was his own villain, like, his, mm-hmm. his grief and his anger, and, like, his need for power, um, and to control everything in his life was, like, the true villain, so maybe that was, like, what we needed to focus on, rather than this, like, mythical Billions yeah. would have happened if he wouldn't have basically like just been so consumed that he let like this these voices in his head take over. Yeah, I I think this is a great time now too to just give our general thoughts on this. But like I I don't know if he's number one, 
but that's a top three villain in Marvel. I mean, I think it, that it was very like complicated. Yeah, and very like I think just showing that they're. I don't know, that's why I like Spider-Man villains, because it's like, they're not all bad, like, they're usually... I mean, to be clear, this guy's a really bad dude, as we said, but it makes sense. so many layers to it, like, there's just so much to it. Like, his motivation makes sense once he meets their mom. Everything before that, it's like, no, this guy was not redeemable at all. But But I think it's, like, what's needed, and this is even in the, you know, it's in the commercials, but, like, it's, Shang-Chi has to except yeah that he is not only like that he is his mother but he's also yeah. his father yeah and he is himself because he is as strong as he is because of his father and i think that's what we all i think everyone needs to know like you know you know you have to know like where do you come from and yeah. the good and the bad and the ugly and all that stuff and i think what i really liked about shang chi specifically is i feel like he is the most relatable for me for our age Millennials. Yeah. I felt like he was the most, he's like the most relatable um, Marvel superhero right now. Like, he's like literally like the most millennial one. Yeah, I definitely think that his addition to the larger Marvel group dynamic will be kind of a breath of fresh air. Because they're all, like, in their, like... 40s. Well, and how... how okay, again, how old is Scarlet Witch supposed to be again? Oh, she's, like, 19. That is so... That thing is, like, is unbelievable. I know she's from a different country and she's been through a lot, but that bitch... Is not nineteen. There's, she's like tw- she's like twenty eight. Yeah, she's <laughs> in like, my book. She's like a year older than Peter Parker, which no, is, that's not true. Yes, that is true. No, based on the Marvel timeline, she's like a year older than Peter Parker in the MCU. No, Th- Peter was fifteen during Endgame. I no, Peter was fifteen during, during Civil, Civil War. War. She was like nineteen in Civil okay, War. Okay, never mind. She's like four years older than Peter, but still, that's not. Th- she is like a. 35-year-old, honestly. But at that point, during the Civil War, wouldn't Shang-Chi be, been around, like, 19? Or, like, 17? Uh, potentially. I mean, we just looked it up. You said he was born in 1996. Yeah, but then, like, it, I don't think that he got snapped, so... I don't remember if he did or didn't. I don't know if they addressed in the movie. It doesn't address at all. It just says that he, it's, he suggested to have been born in 1996 or shortly thereafter... But leaves the Ten Rings when he's 14 years old, which would have been 2010. Okay. Shang-Chi says that he met Katie soon after coming to the United States, as he has known her for 10 years. This moves the timeline up to 2020, two years after the Thanos snap, three years before Avengers Endgame, and the blip. 
Okay, so he's... They're living during... This is during the blip. This oh, is, it is? Yeah, in the middle. No, I don't think it is because they talk with their friends at the bar about they'll always go out for a drink because... Oh, yeah. Because you can get snapped at any point. <laughs> Taking this information at face value would mean that Shang-Chi would have, would have, would have to be snapped. The movie doesn't touch on whether or not that happened, but Shang-Chi would have to take place in 2026 or this for this to be true in lineup, which would make Shang-Chi the furthest movie in the MCU timeline so far by a long shot. Okay, this hurts my head. I'm very confused. I'm sorry, guys. I, I have to look at this more, so. I, yeah. The point is, he's like in his mid-20s. That's what we yeah, narrowed down Yeah, he's definitely in his mid-20s. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know, I they're, they're doing, like, younger characters being introduced in the Disney Plus shows that are going to come into the main movies, so, like, maybe they're all going to form a new Avengers lineup or something. I don't know. That's years down the road. Who Who knows at this point? I, mean, I think what they're saying here is like it's confused. It's confusing because Carol Danvers has long hair. I mean, you can't. You literally can't rely on anything with Carol Danvers because they show her different in every Everything. single appearance, and it has no consistency at all. I I completely forgot she was in the post credit scene along with Bruce Banner, who's back to normal now apparently. Well, that's what I'm saying is that it doesn't make sense. But I just know he. <laughs> Him and Kate, I know that they talked about, like, mid twenty, whatever, like, because they were like, yeah. you're not married yet, whatever. They're definitely in their mid-twenties. Yes. I, one random thing, I can't remember, like, where it came up in the movie, but when Katie finds out that his real name is Shang instead of Sean, and, like, I forget the joke they make about it, but it was something along the lines that you're really lazy for not, like, picking a name further away from your actual name. That was a pretty good, good bit. But yeah, I don't really have anything else on Shang-Chi. I, I love this movie. I want to watch it again because I think the biggest, there's some stuff I forgot. <laughs> the thing that like, I'm just getting more and more excited for like the villains that they're building in this MCU, like the young villains that they're making in this MCU, because when we saw the, the post credit, the first post, was that the first or second? That's the first. Or maybe it's just the end of the movie. But whenever we see that his sister literally built the Ten Rings again in her own way, and it's like... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, so I wonder, like, is she going to try and steal the ring? Like, I'm very interested to but see what I'm that saying, goes. I really want her, I just really want there to be, like, it be her, the, the fake Captain America, whatever his name is. Oh, John Walker. John U- Walker. U.S. agent. Um, Yelena. And it's probably going to be Hawkeye. He's going to be evil. Well, what about the girl Hawkeye? Kate Bishop is going to be good. I don't like her. It's fine. That's fine. I don't want her on my evil team. Fine. <laughs> I'd rather have him. I'd rather have... Clint. I'd rather have Clint. I just didn't want to say his name. I'd rather have stupid Clint on my on my bat, my evil team than Haley Steinfeld. You know what's funny? Independently of this, just side thought. I watched two movies recently with Jeremy Renner where I really enjoyed him, and I'm like, I hate you in the MCU. I watched Arrival, and I watched Tag. Tag is actually a stupid, fun movie. Can I just also say I watched... John sent me the Hawkeye trailer and was like, Anna, this is, looks pretty good. I think you'll like get more excited for it. I watched <laughs> it, I was like, this makes me not one bit excited. Well, when I said more excited, it took me from like 5% to like 15%. No, I don't. Sorry, I I don't know why I'm a Haley Steinfeld like hate her right now, but like I really just don't like her. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. She's because 
I've said this already. I don't think she is actually acting. She plays the same thing every time. So by that property, you don't like Paul Rudd. It's a different. Or Will Ferrell. Like, there are people that haven't acted in, like, years. (laughs) Will Ferrell acts, John. Okay, sorry. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds kind of acts. But, like, it's just, (laughs) it's not entertaining. That's what I'm trying to say. I can give you. She just plays this, like, innocent little girl. I can give you that. I'm pretty confident, though, that Hawkeye will probably be better than What If. Well, that's a completely different thing. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to be the worst Marvel show. Okay. So, yeah, that's Shang-Chi. We really liked it. Do you want to rate it? Yeah, I said on Twitter the day of, I looked this up, I said it was a 90. I'm going to stick with a 90. I think this is a really dang good Marvel movie. I'll I'll stick with a 90. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I I need to watch it again. That's the problem. I... It's been a while since I've seen it, and it's hard to recall certain things, but I know there was a lot of really cool stuff there. But, yeah. We both Sorry, liked I'm it. yawning. Okay. Um, do we want to do Venom next, or do you want to do your little Dear no, Evan Hansen I, thing? No, I, I watched Dear Evan Hansen before Venom. I can't believe you didn't realize No, that. I meant do you want to do that now? Yeah. Okay. Here's Anna's soapbox about Dear Evan Hansen. No, I won't. I won't go into it too much. Also, this you were supposed to talk about this with me, so don't act like it's my soapbox I made you talk about. No, I'm not. Or I made you listen to me about. Um, I think I I really enjoyed it. I know... The, so right now, the critics are are shitting on it so hard. I don't know what it is right now. Do you want to look it up? Or do you have a synopsis? Oh, I, yeah. I can get a synopsis for it. Um, I didn't write one, but give me two seconds. Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. So those of you that don't know, Dear Evan Hansen I have it, is adapted. You... It's an adapted screenplay from the from the onstage musical. A phen- it was a hit phenomenon a couple of years ago. Go ahead. Okay. Um, before I do the synopsis, because it's on the last tab, the Rotten Tomatoes audiences love it. Eighty eight critics gave it a thirty. Yeah, and I'll explain that a little more. But go ahead. So Evan Hansen is an anxious, isolated high school student who's aching for understanding and belonging amid the chaos and cruelty of the social media age. He soon embarks on a journey of self-discovery when a letter he wrote for a writing exercise falls into the hands of a grieving couple whose son took his own life. Yes. Okay, so, to give you a little background, I love this soundtrack. I love music for Jeremy Hansen. I've been listening to it for, since it came out. Um, and I love Ben Platt. I think he is, like, a songbird of our generation. <laughs> he is just so, he is so musically talented. It is insane. If you don't like Ben Platt, I don't know who you are. Um, I need to add one thing, too. It, so far, is a box office flop. It's made $13 million on a budget of twenty-eight. Yeah. It's not going to make its budget back. Well, I, I think that makes sense to me. Because it's a musical. And it's not like, here's the thing. When you come out with West Side Story or, like, Hairspray or, the, those are, like, giant like dear evan hansen was a huge like was a big musical like broadway hit it's not like as widely known as other ones and it's very like this is coming out very close to its broadway run yeah it it debuted not just broadway it debuted in general in 2015 so this is this is a very quick adaptation and i think too with covid like i just don't I, i mean i i know that um in the Heights made more money, for sure, probably. Yeah, In the Heights did decently well. I don't... But the thing is, too, In the Heights was marketed for so long. Yeah, In the Heights, I think we saw trailers before COVID. Yeah, Dear Evan Hansen was kind of like, came out of nowhere a little bit. But here are my biggest thoughts. 
this is a really heavy musical. It's a really like hard to watch. Like I did not, I knew it was about suicide and I knew it was from, if you listen to the music, like, you know, it's about suicide and about mental illness. And it's like a very different topic than what you're usually seeing on stage. And like, it won a bunch of Tonys. It, it really changed the way that like on stage musicals deal with like social media and how they did really like innovative things, whatever. I've never seen the stage play. I really want to. It's coming to Chicago. It's here in Chicago, actually. And I was literally crying for like two hours straight. It is so heavy and it's completely not what I had. If you see the, if you see the commercials, you get the, you get it. But I didn't really see the, that many of them beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I had a different idea of what it was about. And when I thought it was about, it was just so much. It's, I literally like thought I was done crying because I didn't have any more tears and I continued to keep <laughs> crying. It is such a beautiful, like, I think it's really, it is really heavy, but I think it's like good for younger audiences, like of knowing you're not, I mean, the whole like message is like, you're not alone. And like, just because you feel like you're the only one with like depression, anxiety, any kind of mental illness, other people feel the same way. They just show it in different ways. They added a song to the soundtrack that like, I was the one that had me the most in tears <laughs> and I just truly enjoyed it. I think the, the reason the, the critics are shitting on it so much saying that it's a soap opera saying that it's like over dramatic and it, it wasn't good enough. I just feel like they don't get the story. Like, I don't know. I mean, but also I'm like a sucker for Broadway musicals and like, I'm a sucker for that. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I felt like there was definitely things that are wrong with it. Like, I don't. Mm -hmm. Ben Platt's prosthetics look really weird at points. I get why people want didn't want him to be it. He's too old. I personally loved it. I think he, he needed his time in the spotlight. Like, he's never got his own movie. Like, movie. Like, he's never been the star of a movie. But I don't know. I don't really know why the critics hate it so much. I feel like there's other. Like, I don't. In the Heights was a better movie and like a better production and like it was so much like just cooler more it was beautiful it was awesome but like I didn't feel like this was like that much less than that like I I don't feel like it was like this was like oh my god like a huge flop and like I think critics really liked In the Heights yeah critics loved In the Heights they gave it like a ninety two yeah uh, also just side note because we're talking about it um In the Heights also did not make its budget back it was budgeted fifty five so a lot more expensive to produce oh, oh I'm sh yeah but it's only made forty three so it's made a lot more than Dear Evan Hansen like literally thirty million dollars more but it was more expensive well yeah In the Heights had a huge production because they like yeah this was you don't you don't really need that much you need a school and like a couple houses like they didn't have like huge production where like that was like crazy yeah i'm i'm looking through right now to see like what critics why they didn't like it but a lot of it just seems to come that there's something that was lost when they translated it from stage to screen um yeah that the, I, to that the tone is different in the movie yeah from what the play is i have heard that like it is i mean it, there is not one musical movie that i would ever say is better than what like uh, broadway mu like musicals are meant to be seen on on yeah. stage that is the i believe in that wholeheartedly do i still watch rent even though it's so even though it is shitty like i yes i love it like <laughs> I, I will watch anything i'll watch mama mia i'll watch anything i and i will love it so but i don't i just think they were really harsh on like what this genre is like i just felt like it was kind of so I, i've seen kind of a critic consensus too that platt doesn't ruin the movie that he does give it a voice it's just that 
they like you said the prosthetics they don't like visually it's jarring that they try to play him as a high schooler but okay here's people are pissed off about that his co-stars are only like two or three years like the the main the kid that um like what's his name like the the kid that gets his letter that that does that commits suicide and the his love interest are literally only like three years younger than him or like mm-hmm. they're around the same age it's not like bet the thing is ben platt just looks a lot older now yeah and like i get that and like they and i i feel like they didn't really need the prosthetics i don't feel like they made him look even younger truly like it just was like kind of weird um and i think he played like he's a great actor like i believed him I believe like his the way he acted. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I get what people are saying, but also it's not like they put him. It's not like he was playing against eighteen year olds. Yeah, or like seventeen year olds. They were all they're all in their late twenties, like mid twenties. Like he's not that old. Like Ben Platt. No, he's probably thirty. No, right? he's. You think he's in his twenties? Ben Platt age. He's twenty eight. Oh, I thought he was older than that. I is I have a question for you. Is this his most like recognizable role. So this was his. This was his like Broadway, um, starring debut. Like he's so okay. he starred in in Chicago and in other cities in the Book of Mormon. That's who we saw. Yeah, because he because he played because like in New York, Andrew Rannells was who Ben Platt played in Book of Mormon. Yeah. So this is like his. This was like not his debut because he was in Pitch Perfect. He was on other Broadway like yeah. things. But this is like his um, coming out. Com- yeah, his is like him as a star. He's a yeah. star. Gotcha. Because I've I've always known that he's been associated with this. I just wasn't. So he's twenty eight. Caitlin Dever, who played Zoe, was tw- is twenty four. The guy who played Connor Murphy is twenty six. Okay. Like they're all like literally around the same age. It's just yeah. that. Yeah. I, it's. It's always going to be a thing that, and I mean, the tough decision was probably casting him at all because like he is so synonymous with the production. Yeah. Like, I get it. I, there's no real right answer when you're, when you're approaching that. Like, no, yeah. There, I mean, I can see, I, I understand. I have people who don't really did not like that he was cast and thought that they could have put like a brand new star in the role. Yeah. And so I'm not saying it's not a bad opinion or that like my opinion's right. It's just like, for me, it, I love him and I didn't got, not care. Yeah. It, I mean, and it seems like from the critic responses that he wasn't what tanked this movie for them. No, there, there definitely was like, they, the makeup was really like, they, like the makeup of the prosthetics, like they just made like Julianne more like look so, like they made people look really old. I don't even know she was they in this movie. They need to. And, and it is, it's a, it's a dramatic, I mean, it's a very heavy story. That's like, it's, it's supposed to make you cry. Like, it's just, it is. Gotta take it for what it is, though. That's gotcha. what I felt. Do you have a score for it, or just that mm, you generally enjoyed it? I'll give it a 78. Gotcha. I feel like that's the first musical you've rated. Because Hamilton didn't really count. Because that was just recording of the play. Like, because we... We did Oh, Rocky we did Rocky Horror, Horror Picture Show. <laughs> it's not a Broadway musical, but... Really? Are you sure? No, it's not Broadway. Oh. No. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> you think that would be Broadway? not in an old era when no, it was released. I, and Hamilton. Well, I'm saying, but that doesn't really count because that was, that was a recording of a performance. Yeah. So yeah. slightly different. No, nope. we got a lot. There's a lot of musicals as movie, a lot of musical adaptations to movies coming out. Yeah. Well, actually I have a question. Is Tick, Tick, Boom originally 
a stage production? Yep. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I just thought it was a story about the creation of Britain. It was off-Broadway, though. Got it. So, I think that's... I got a feeling, because Lin-Manuel just needs an Oscar to EGOT. I th- oh. I think that's going to be... Well, maybe In the Heights. I don't know. Maybe. Actually, I don't know if he can win for In the Heights, because those songs already existed. Oh, yeah. No, but they... I think they wrote... Did they a write new a new song, song for that? Yeah. I don't know. The before we get into Venom, the the battle of Lin Manuel versus the Academy has been a thrilling storyline for years. People thought he was gonna win for Moana, but then he went against Was that a Star is Born? Was that the year? No, I thought Moana did win. Not he a song not a song. song he wrote. He didn't write uh, he didn't write um my uh uh the uh, oh my god. It's the one, How Far I'll Go? Yeah. Yeah, he did not write that, because that does not have the Lin-Manuel, like, poppy, like, not pop, like, pop music, but, like, Let me the, see, though. What? I don't, no, that definitely did win. Or did it lose? Was that the same year as Coco? It was nominated, but it lost. Wait. It was nominated for Best, oh, no, it is written and produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay, so oh, it that lost. did win. <laughs> it, the song was nominated for Best so- Original Song. But it lost. Oh God! Oh no, La La Land. Fuck. God. Was that La La Land? Ugh, yeah, I just did it. Lo- was it City of Stars? Yeah, the one. Such a bad. God, song. I hate La La Land. That movie. That movie is just offensive to me on a on a structural level. And I like musical movies, but that movie, people think it's like as good as like Singing in the Rain. I'm like, no, it's not. Wait, how would it be good? But it's literally that's just people don't understand it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like La La Land, and I get it. Like, people are like, don't you understand? It's like showing I'm like, no, no, I, I get what it's doing. I, I know. I just don't like it. I love Singing in the Rain, and I know the scenes it was trying to emulate that. So you can't you can't compare it to Singing in the Rain because it's not trying to be Singing in the Rain. It's yeah. trying to 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 yeah, reminisce I, Hollywood and old Hollywood, and then they're not that good of actors and singers, but that's the dream, and that's what they're trying to go for. I get all that. I just don't like it still. You know, I had someone tell me once, they're like, well, it's just probably because you don't like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I'm like, no, contrary to that belief, (laughs) Crazy Stupid Love might be, like, one of my top ten watched movies ever. I love that movie, and I also love J.K. Simmons, but you combine it all together, and I hate that movie. It stinks. In the words of my cousin Hannah, after we saw it, (laughs) She stood up in the theater and goes, well, that's two hours of my life. I'll never get back. Uh, every single time it hits a new streaming service, too, people are always like, the best movies did streaming this month, and La La Land's always on the list when it moves, and I'm like, no, it's not. Okay, that rants off my chest. The far superior musical movie with J.K. Simmons is Whiplash. That movie rules. Thank you for your time. It's not a musical. It's about music. Movie's about music. La La Land is a musical. I know. La La Land is a musical. <laughs> a bad one at that. Um, okay, let's move on to another movie that maybe Anna considers a waste of two hours of her life. She can't, though, because it wasn't two hours. It was a quick uh, 90 minutes, and that is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I I will start by saying, I don't know if it was a complete waste of my time. I just don't know if it was worth the hype. Before we talk about Venom, I would like to talk about a glorious experience at the theater. We've gone to like four or five movies, and I've been begging begging my my overlords at amc to just show me the spider-man trailer before (laughs) a movie and you know what they did it they showed me the damn spider-man no way home trailer and we got i loved it i've seen that trailer like 20 times i loved it and we got hello peter i mean it's fantastic i think that movie that movie is gonna be great 
That's going to be my favorite movie of the year. I've already decided. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I had a dream, though, the other night that that movie was animated like Spider-Verse. Like, the trailers were fake, and then you got into the theater, and it was like a fake-out, and it was actually, like, animated. It was wild. If that happens, I need to play the lottery because I have some weird superpower. But Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, let's just do the synopsis, and we'll get into this <laughs> this movie. Eddie Brock is still struggling to coexist with the shape-shifting extraterrestrial Venom when deranged serial killer Cletus Cassidy also becomes host to an alien symbiote. 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 I don't know. <laughs> Brock and Venom must put aside their differences to stop his reign of terror. Uh, I took that from Wikipedia. Calling Carnage's thing a reign of terror is very generous. It's like two days. Um, it stars Tom Hardy as Venom, Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy, Michelle Williams as Anne, who's... Eddie's ex-girlfriend, if you don't remember. And, Na- and Naomi Harris as Shriek, who was a really cool character that they did not expand upon at all. Wasted. It was directed by Andy Serkis, who did not make the first one. Um, it's grossed $185 million on a $110 million budget, so it's pretty well received. I think it's due to come out in Australia and China soon, so it's going to get a bump from there. Mixed response from critics with a 60 on Rotten Tomatoes, 84 audience score, which is similar to the first one. I don't know what it had. Um, so yeah, that's Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I liked it, but I really feel like it was just more of the same of the first movie. I, I feel the same that I did before. I am, I forgot about it. Yeah. Except for parts. I, was it, was it a waste, yeah, yeah, was it a waste of my time? No. Did I enjoy parts of it? Yes. Uh, I laughed a lot. I laughed. There were a lot of funny lines. I, but I, there were times I was extremely bored. Yeah. And I was like, when are we going to get to the point here? I do, it was like wacko, like all over the place, which like what I like about Venom, like they don't care what they, they don't care what they look like or what they do. But I do, I love the Eddie and Venom, like buddy cop stuff, but I was so over them fighting all the time. Like I thought like yeah. they, they played that up way too much. Like, it was funny at parts, and, like, they need to have that tension, obviously. But, like, I just want more Venom. Like, I want more chickens. I want more chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, uh, oh my god, what are the chains? It was Cher and Sonny. It was Sonny and Cher. Um, I agree. I want more of the, just, chaos of Venom. But I think we got enough of them fighting in the first movie where, like, we get it. And I know why they had to do it. They had to compare it to Cletus and Carnage, who were, like, one in the same. But then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, they're not a perfect match, even though Cletus, like, Carnage is, like, created in Cletus. Like, uh, that, I think, like, like, yeah, give me more. I loved when Venom was trying to cheer up uh, Eddie because... With the, with the food? Because, yeah, because she's getting engaged. Like, it, that is hilarious. And I just want, like, the weirdness of that. I love the weirdness of this Venom. Yeah. And, like, I loved when he was by him when he was like taking over other people's bodies and he was at that like festival and like they keep showing the commercial was like thank you one person that was one of the weirdest scenes I've ever but it seen was in a hilarious. movie hilarious it was really funny but that was a very out of touch scene that was like Sony being like I know what kids do this is what kids do I I, I don't know it was funny but like. Yeah. It was very much the Steve Buscemi skateboard over the back. How do you do, fellow kids? That's what that scene yeah. was. But it was like, that's why I like it. Because it's like, Venom doesn't know what the hell's going on. I mean, 
like, in the first movie, Venom does say, like, on his planet, he's a loser. Like, Venom's weird. Yeah. And I I truly like this character, and I like that he exists outside the of the it's MCU, like, because I know he wouldn't be that no. in the MCU. That's, I mean, that's the thing, is, like, why I will continue to go back to these movies is because, like, there are nuggets of good, but the problem is the story and the plot is all over the place. They, like... People were so excited about Cletus Cassidy and, like, Carnage and, like, that, like, I, wasn't there, like, all these things that people, like, were excited about Woody Harrelson was, like, pay, playing him? Yeah, so Carnage in the comics, like, super high level, he's Venom's son. Like, his origin in this movie is completely different. It's really creepy, actually. Like, Cletus gets a drop of Eddie's blood and then it just forms in him, so it's really weird. But, like, Carnage in the comics is, like, a badass. Like, Carnage, I think there's a story where, like, he kills everybody. Like, not- Well, it's Carnage! Like, he, like, kills everything in the universe. Like, he's insane. What? And this movie, they they show a little bit, like, what Carnage can do. I mean, like, compared to Venom, he's, like, insanely powerful. But that's the other thing, is they didn't explain- I mean, yeah, they changed the origin of him. Yeah. But, like, they don't- Like, <coughs> I'm sorry- Venom sees him, he's like, oh my gosh, it's a red one, and like goes back inside. And they don't say why that's- But why is he so much powerful? He's his son. Why is he so much powerful than him? Is it because, like, he has- It's a generational thing. So every every generation that goes down gets more powerful. Got it. But, like, they don't explain that. Like, no, they how don't. would I know that? And it's just, like, they also are like, yeah, they're not symbiotic, but that's not actually what gets him killed. Like, it- doesn't there's so many things and like the love story between stupid they were trying to like make cletus cassidy like i don't know if they were trying to make him like sympathetic i don't think that's what they were trying to do at all i don't know but it was weird like i guess they're trying to make him kind of psycho and like like the he's like but what you didn't know is that mommy and grandma and daddy were abusing cletus like all this stuff and like yeah i the love story between that it was strange and like I just didn't think it was, like, all that. Like, the fight scenes were cool, but again, it only lasted not that very long. It was so very contained. Their stories are always so very contained. There's probably, like, 15 minutes of really good stuff in this movie. Like, really good superhero stuff. But there's an hour and 15 minutes of other movie around it, and that's the stuff that sucks. I mean, like, I love that Andy Serkis came in to direct because he is, like, a master with, like, special effects and, like, monsters and all the way back to Lord of the Rings. Like, he gets that stuff. And, like, the design of Carnage was really cool. Like, how he transformed instead of how Venom transformed was, like, a really cool detail where, Mm -hmm. like, he kind of, like, exploded from Cletus instead of Venom where he, like, wraps around Eddie. Like, there's some really cool stuff here. And I think that No, the scenes of him, like, leaving the prison, like, is pretty cool. yeah. And, like, the fight at the end in the church, like, it goes on too long. But there's some cool stuff there that looks really interesting. But, again, there's, like, no context to, like, what yeah. this means, why. Like, I, yeah, nothing connects. Like, they don't even connect the beginning of, like, the fact that, like, yeah. It it just, it's just, that's what annoys me. But, like, I have to take it for what it is. It's. I mean, you know, we had kind of made a criticism of Iron Man 3 earlier where, like, it's too serious. This movie knows exactly what it is. No, it's just that if they could just, like, rein it in a bit to make a little more sense. I think, well, one one thing, one last thing I liked before I say kind of my thoughts for the future of Venom. Um, I think the idea, and maybe it's a thing in the comics, I don't know, but, like, 
having Cletus be in love with the one person who's like his weakness was really a good idea. I wish that they wouldn't have just unceremoniously murdered Shriek because that's like seems like a pretty important person in a world filled with these symbiotes that hate sound. But um, it, as going forward, I think the big thing because they're going to make a third movie. People like Tom Hardy as Venom. No, what I'm saying is like they it works. Like yeah, it's just like. If they could just get the story... I don't need the story to make complete sense. I'm not saying it needs to be perfect. I don't want it to but, make complete but sense. But can you just, like, rein it in a bit? Rein it in just a little bit to give me a little something more. I just... I'm, I, you're almost there. Yeah. It... I think they would be helped by him not fighting another symbiote. I think that would help tremendously. There were hints at the end of the movie, though, that that cop is going to become another one. So it looks like Venom 3 is going to have that. But if we're looking at where the franchise is going to go and just kind of Sony Marvel characters as a whole, because they do own a lot, um, they might be hinting at what is actually going to come based on the post credit scene. That was insane. The post credit I mean, scene, dropped. like, yeah, it was, it was nuts. And like, I think there are people, so yeah, in the post credit scene, uh, they're on vacation. It's really cute. Lethal protector. <laughs> they love is. each other. Um... And they're in a hotel room, and he's just talking about, Venom's talking about all the things, like, he doesn't even understand, like, all the things that he can do, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, do you want me to show you? And Eddie's like, sure. And he's like, is this you? He's like, no, that's not me. And they end up in the same hotel room, but it's nicer. Way nicer. Way nicer. And on the TV is, um... J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson talking about Spider-Man, and you see... Uh, Tom Holland's Tom Holland's Spider- yeah Tom Holland's Spider-Man and he goes that guy or something what does he say he goes he like says, he says that guy looks tasty that's been confirmed oh so some people think that he said like initially from screens people thought he said I know that guy I just thought he said that guy like no, he was mad he at says, him he says that guy looks tasty but Venom's in full control because usually like Eddie has some input but like Venom snaps into control when he sees him yeah, so, like, there's definitely a recognized... So, it's, like, nuts because I think... And, you know, I think they were always going to have Venom somehow come into this. It's just too good of an opportunity. But in what capacity, I don't know. I think people are thinking way too much into this. Are, yeah. People are getting pissed about it, saying that they they think that, he's, that Venom is going to be in No Way Home. I don't know if that's true. I think maybe he'll come in for a little bit, or like, a post-credit scene that kind of, like, connect that way. But I think, like, this is really cool. Even if it's, like, not completely connected, if they just kind of, like... Yeah. Let's do it. Let's just do weird shit. So, the thing is, it was shocking to see it on screen. Yeah. But Sony and Marvel, like, do have a working relationship. Michael Keaton showed up in the trailer for Morbius as the Vulture. So, like, it's been known for a while that they're gonna have a little bit of a friendly relationship and cross some stuff over. Just seeing them actually take the step to do it with the most recognizable character is exciting. I agree with you. I think that if Venom is in No Way Home, it is at most a post credit scene or like a hint. Like, yeah, there's no I way don't they're think gonna, he's they're the not... big. I don't think he's going to be one of the Sinister Six. No, he has no reason to be. No, and like it's they've got too much going on in that movie already that like yeah. people are excited for that like pulling. Uh, that franchise into it when you're trying to put two other franchises together into the Spider-Man, like, it doesn't work. But I do think, like, it is gonna be, it could be, like, a 
a funny post credit scene or like yeah. something like that. And I would think that maybe Venom, Tom Holland shows up in the next Venom. I think that that's almost a guarantee. Yeah, I don't think that it's going to be, I don't think that Venom is ever going to be like the main thing for a Spider-Man. But I think it's great. I do think, I think we were just like thinking forever about like, when was this? Was it like, I do think it could be when he's doing, when the, when the multiverse is happening. Yeah. And he is getting pulled into Tom Holland's universe, but I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And that's the exciting part. I mean, that's, I know that there are people that say like, it's not good that Sony has their Marvel universe and that the MCU exists, but I think that's good because it lets, it lets you make different interpretations because like this Venom would not be how they do him in the MCU. Like they would not have done Tom Hardy. I think that like, it's good. It's good to let other people take character choices because I love the MCU, but they do things by the book sometimes. But that's the thing is like, it's like comic books. Like there's always like so many runs and so many different like ways of looking like, I mean, I think, that just shows you how freaking profitable the Spider-Man property is because you can have you have three different Spider-Man stories going mm-hmm. on at the same time right now. Yeah, into the Spider-Verse, Venom, and Spider-Man. Like that is crazy. Yeah, and they all are. They're so completely different, and they're all commercially successful. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where this franchise goes. I hope. Like I said, that the next Venom movie isn't just fighting a symbiote. If it's Spider-Man or something else, I don't know. But like, well, but didn't we talk about it? it? Would be really cool if they did um one where like he chooses Tom, he chooses yeah. Tom Holland's, he chooses Peter Parker over Eddie, and then Eddie gets up. Like I yeah. feel like they could do like the thing is Tom is, but like Tom Holland Spider-Man is like so much younger than Eddie. I don't think that matters that much, just because like this is going to be driven by Venom. Yeah. So, like, it's it's not gonna... Like, Eddie doesn't need to know even anything about Peter Parker. He just needs to know that Venom abandoned him for someone else. He thought someone was better than him. And Eddie, even though, like, he's very likable in these movies, which he wasn't in the last version of him, like, Eddie Brock is a dick. But, like, in these, Eddie's likable, but if he has something to hate, like, he can turn into a bad person. Like, I don't think it's... I don't think it's that hard for them to craft a new origin story for why Eddie hates Peter Parker. And it doesn't well, have yeah, to be that but deep. also, it doesn't even have to be that sinister or that. Yeah. It could be like, we've already, they've established this Eddie Brock as like, he was washed up. Like he was, yeah. he, he uses people. He is selfish. And mm-hmm. he, and like, what's likable about him is that like, he's an underdog and you're like, yeah. you want him to succeed because you know, he's a good person on the inside. So you can still have an Eddie Brock that is a good person on the inside, but again, it's the jealousy mm-hmm. and the not feeling like he's enough for anything is going to take over. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's kind of all of our thoughts on Venom and Spider-Man. We're going to have a lot more Spider-Man thoughts in December. So we don't want you guys to get sick of us. And also, all the speculation, I mean, we could show up and Venom's a big part of that movie. I don't think that's the case, but, you know, we might have more Venom thoughts this year. Who knows? But... Um, do we want to do ratings because we did not do a number for Venom? Venom? Yeah. Um. I can go first if you want. Yeah, sure. So initially after seeing the movie, I said a 75. I'm dropping that. It's not a 75. It's like a 65. Oh, I, I was going to say 66. So I, was, I was really biased 
after seeing it because I had just seen that Spider-Man scene and I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Yeah, don't get distracted by that. But truly, that is the most interesting scene in this movie. Yes. No, I'm going to give it like a 66 is what I was thinking. It, at the end of the day, like, it's not bad. It just is a very, like, 2005 superhero movie. I just think the problem was, like, we had Venom, we had the first Venom, and it is what it was. I just thought they didn't, like, learn anything. They just were like, we're just gonna do the same damn thing. Well, Bam. it's the Sony problem. The, the first Venom made, like, $850 million. They're like, it works. They don't really care. I know. It's just that's the problem is, like, just because something works... Obviously, you don't reinvent the wheel. Like, don't like break no. it. But you, but there are things like you can take and be like, let's make this better. Yeah. I also, just kind of a closing thought. I don't know what the ceiling is on a Venom movie. Honestly, it's probably like an eighty. Like, I think if you do everything right, you still have a pretty low ceiling. <laughs> and and that's like my one defense of the Venom franchise. But at the end of the day, it was good. I've had a couple people ask me, is it worth seeing? I think it's worth seeing just as something to do for an hour and a half and kind of see some cool monster fights that you wish you saw more of. Yeah. But thank you, everybody, again for listening. We don't know what our next episode is going to be on, but we are in the process of figuring that out. Um, Hopefully we'll have seen some more movies by the time that movie or that episode comes out. But in the meantime, we hope you all are having fun with things ramping back up as October, November, and December are going to be really busy movie season things, award stuff. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the prestige movie part. Like, it's still blockbuster season. Oh, yeah. Before, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I don't even know what the award favorites are this year. Well, it's I think they're all, like, coming out in, like, November and December. Yeah, but a lot of the major film festivals already happened, so I don't know. We'll talk, we'll look forward to talking more about that. We have, like, as the, it gets that closer. dual one. I think is like being looked at the night one. Yeah, with with Matt Damon. I'm pretty sure that movie looks weird. I don't know. I heard something about that. I don't know. Just stay tuned. Okay. Well, in the meantime, thank you everybody for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.